Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell and the royal recluse, Brian Appleby-Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. Home to so much trumpet goodness, the WTF is here to serve you, your students, and the rest of the worldwide trumpet community. I mean, the information is good for anyone who's interested in teaching and learning, but yeah, we love the trumpet. So come on over to www.worldtrumpetfederation.com for your trumpet needs. And by 26 Contemplative Studies for Trumpet, a new project by yours truly that is intended to lead students toward informed musicianship. The book contains 26 original studies for trumpet that are paired with 26 original poems. While the studies could stand alone for practice, performance, or auditions, the concept pairs them with poems so that the students begin to make those all-important extra-musical connections that lead to refined, elegant performance. The style of the studies varies throughout the book, but most are in the spirit of interesting, lyrical, melodic compositions that allow for expression, interpretation, and the development of authentic musicianship. Go to www.williamstoneman.com for details and to order your copy of 26 Contemplative Studies today. And by the way, free shipping on all orders. 26 Contemplative Studies for Trumpet will change the way you guide your students toward beautiful, musical, informed playing. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up, couple things, and no offense. We use these segments to collaborate, cajole, and curse the information that we believe is important to a connected, curious, and captive commonwealth. Gentlemen, shall we? Warming up is a segment that allows us to ease into the show by talking about some things that have been on our radar. And as always, it's brought to you by Chopsaber, the world's greatest lip treatment, because we say so. It's made with all natural ingredients by our good friend, the Alpha of Arnica, the curator of citrus oils, <laughs> the giant of ginger, Dan Gosling. Holy moly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Go to Chopsaber.com and order yours today. You know, in the show's early days, we could always count on Brian for some benign brass band bulletin or even some colloquial cornet controversy. But in season two, he's been unusually unpredictable. Brian, I almost hate to ask, but what do you have for us tonight? <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's actually about me partially. So, oh, I, is he turning into a lead player? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I have <laughs> I actually have a cornet gig that I'm oh, getting so paid for. Oh, so it is cornet. Oh, it is cornet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he he is. tricked us for a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not really about him. Mm-hmm. It's about the cornet. I'm trying to him. keep you guys on the on your toes. All right. So what what cornet gig could you possibly have? I'm glad you asked. So there is one. <laughs> wow! <laughs> he walked right into it. There's um there's one paid union brass band in the United States, and it's in Pittsburgh. It's called the River City Brass Band, mm-hmm. and um they're doing a concert in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, which is close to me. And James Gourlay, their music director, sent me a text and said, "Hey, um, we're missing our principal cornetist." for this gig you want to come play the show and i said of course i don't have any notes out of the staff at the moment <laughs> he said he doesn't seem to be think it's gonna be a problem so it's in Oct- late october and uh and yeah i'm gonna play a cornet gig that's okay. fantastic it's a brass band gig yes so come on this is your wheelhouse yeah. this is like you <laughs> yeah. know a, an unusual thing for you you play no, brass band cool. every week yeah, it should be it should be cool. I'm I'm kind of excited about it. It's it is a unique brass band because um, it's a unique American sound. The tenor horn row in traditional brass bands are those E flat tenor horns, um, mm-hmm. sometimes known in the states as peck horns. Um, but the E flat tenor horns in the in River City they use regular F French horns, right? Double what? double double French horns. Yeah, in the River City brass band, it's a very distinctive brass band sound. Um, hmm, and so, I mean, it's a great group. I mean, they, mm-hmm. all those cats can yeah. really play. I heard them, um, yep. yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and James does these really sort of high-powered, fun shows. He's got, like, just unbridled energy. And um, it, Are you going to rehearse with them? Or are they just going to... No. Gonna, what's going to happen here? They're sending me the you, dots. You like to rehearse. I love to rehearse. <laughs> as you know, I love <laughs> to rehearse. So they're going to send me all the dots um, in the next week or two. And uh, going to come in and play the show. 
You're just going to walk out. They're going to roll in. You're going to walk out there and go. Well, yep. to be clear, I love he, this. he's going to have to put on their <laughs> uniform and then walk out and play. <laughs> now, what, right. do, what do they wear? I well, think it's just tuxedo. Yeah. I've <laughs> seen Brian do this before. Last time we were in England, he subbed in with a couple of the other bands on shows. <laughs> you got to change uniforms. You got to be in a different uniform. You got to well, be in a different uniform. I, I will t- as someone who plays with a lot of orchestras, the question I ask after they give me the schedule is, what does the orchestra wear for Pops concerts? Because it is wide and varied. Yeah, uh, that's correct. I mean, uh, I hate to say Brian's doing it right, but you do have to be wearing <laughs> what, what they're wearing. Yep. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think it's just straight-up tuxedo. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Should be, I mean, should be he, fun to do. He wears his ABB uniform to the grocery store, so this is going to be a change for him. You, usually It'll be a big change. <laughs> yeah. Usually. I mean, you got to look good. In yeah. the U.K., there are actually two uniforms there's the concert uniform, which is a jacket and some, you know, black pants or something, tuxedo pants often, a uh, bow tie. And it's like really ornate jacket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're about, like if you had to buy one, it's like 550 bucks per jacket. Like they're not, they're not Oof. cheap. Holy moly. But they also have, um, they call it a walking out uniform. So the band all wears band ties, band jackets, and band pants. What does walking out mean? Anytime you're going like from the band room to the show. Um, so if at um, at intermission, if you if people are signing CDs or if your pe- people in the band are selling CDs, you take off your stage uniform, you put on your walking out uniform, you go out and do that. Oh, um, you've got to be kidding me! Oh no, it's like a it's a thing, man. Get with it. Yeah, no. everyone knows that. This is just another reason not to not to do this. That's <laughs> that's that's way too much work. Yeah, I have to wear a uniform when I'm not on stage and not playing. Yes, that's Here's one of the reasons I left the army. <laughs> 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 this is what I want, Brian. You're going to make this happen, Joey and I with you in the same cornet section for an ABB gig. I would love this. This has I'm to in. happen. Sure, I would love this. This I, would be I, great. I'm, I'm always All ready right. to play anything. Let's make it happen. We could stand up and do a trio too. We could. Yeah. We could do roller coaster. <laughs> That's a great little tune. It's awesome. <laughs> we Brian did that I, with Ronnie Rom. Brian Rom, and I did, did it with Ron Rom in front of the Atlantic Brass Band. <laughs> nice. That guy's, pretty, have, that guy's pretty good. He's he pretty can good. play. Yeah. And he's funny. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's he's a charming man a and an you know, unbelievable musician. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Anyway. We should wish him a happy retirement as he just retired from the University yeah. of Illinois this All year. Right. That's right. And and then someone who had retired just a couple of years ago found out that she's terrible at retiring. Uh, Amy Gilry. <laughs> Amy Gilry. Uh, terrible uh, at retirement. Uh, yeah, she, she did a terrible job at retiring and she has taken on a full-time <laughs> job. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Amy's awesome. I'm just saying that she's obviously bad at retiring so far. She's yeah. 0-1 at retiring. <laughs> right. Yes, she is. <laughs> a big strikeout on retiring. Yeah. No doubt. Joey, what do you have for us tonight? Okay, I have this. Um, related, going back to episode one of season two, you, if you listened all the way through, you might have noticed I uh, changed the exit music. You know, we had the same you know, music at the end for a whole season. <laughs> thought might we want to mix it up a little bit. Well, last night as I'm sitting on the couch, watching some TV, playing some words with friends with my mother, I get a phone call. My mother FaceTimes because she knows I'm moving right there. She goes, uh, she says, well, I listened to the podcast. I don't like the new exit music. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the outro. <laughs> what do you mean you don't like the outro? Uh, I don't really like that song. <laughs> so can I send you some suggestions? I said, you can. I'm probably not going to listen to them. Right. And we take just, a lot of suggestions. And just today, I got a list. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So if, if, you, if you haven't Judith. listened, yes. I, what I'm thinking is this might turn into a rotation of just some enjoyable things I hope you'll enjoy like listening to. So what I put on there, uh, you might recognize if you're, uh, I wrote right after uh, a range for six trumpets after Aretha Franklin passed on King. I, we need to pay some tribute. So I did a bass trumpet feature and one of my favorite Aretha tunes. And so you can hear that at the end of this episode, frankly, I'll leave it there for a couple. So here's here's her suggestion. Shall we go through this? Give her yeah, a yeah. please. All right. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, please. we can hear this. So she wants uh she put blue skies. It's a nice enough tune, I guess. Okay. Uh I got rhythm. That actually that's always I, I there are times I think that gets overdone, but if it could be done in in an interesting way, sure. Good for six trumpets, of course. Of course. Every, everything's for six trumpets. <laughs> Every time we say goodbye. I don't know. Hmm. 
every time you know what the next lyric is i die a little i'm not sure i want to do that um, i don't think it's really describes true. our audience yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then uh what a wonderful world the lewis armstrong version obviously okay you know pay tribute well, to, yeah. to the lewis armstrong to is always good Satchmo. and yeah. then at last the Etta james version that could work i think yeah, that might that be pretty could good. Be good her first choice is at last uh which she says it seems appropriate for the end of the podcast <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but uh yeah, uh, already getting some constructive criticism, uh, or just yeah, I don't like that. I did get some <laughs> positive feedback uh, from other people online and by text that seemed to enjoy it, despite my mother's misgivings about the tune choice. <laughs> but uh, yes. so please, at the end, uh, listen. It's going to change, and you're going to get some new stuff every few, every few episodes. I'm going to give you a, a a new a new arrangement of something different to you can enjoy. How many hours does it take you to arrange and then record? I know the record usually just one take for each voice, uh, but yeah, the recording. By the time I get it done, because these are you know normally I don't know two, three, three, four minutes. So doing that, you know, six parts of each, I can do that in under an hour and get that done. You know, by getting it all done and mixing done. Mm -hmm. Writing it, it depends. It varies widely. I mean, because yeah. you know some things I'll have a kind of a concept and going. Oh, I know exactly what this is going to be. And other things I have an idea that I kind of have to work through. Yeah. So they vary widely. Do you ever work through it at the keyboard, or do you work through it oh, just no. with the instrument? I'm not good at the keyboard. I'm much better on the trumpet. Uh, nice. So I usually have trumpets out, and I've got you know Sibelius open, and I'm sitting here with horns everywhere, going, "What about? What about? And what about?" And <laughs> mm -hmm. That's how. That's how. That's my um, process, if you want to call it that. <laughs> 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 so uh, horns everywhere, Sibelius open, and a vague notion. And sometimes I will actually have. Uh, Literally just a piece of paper where I have a sketch of eight bars, like an intro and then an A and a B, and like, what do I want to do and what do I want to do? I'll sketch it that way before I uh, start. On just a piece of music. paper or a staff, pa staff no, paper? No, just a piece of paper where I'm just going to go eight <laughs> bars, eight bars, eight bars, or four bars, and three bars. What's that going to be like? I'll kind of have a sketch that way before I start mm -hmm. writing on music. I like it. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah. So, well, new outro music. So, give it a listen. Tell me what, and please tell me what you think. We got to add add her to the credits now. Judith Hoffman. She goes on the credits. <laughs> there it is. Right. right. Music consultant. Music consultant. Music there consultant. it is. All right, Bill. What do yeah. you got for us tonight? Well, you know, as usual, I'm kind of like I think back and forth between several things, but I really I think we should talk about the retreat. I think you just mean for a minute. Several oh. things. Well, whatever. You're not between them. You're among them. Well, I don't know. You'd be between two <laughs> things. You'd be among three or more. You see where I'm sitting right now. It was two things. <laughs> you said but, several. Well, yeah. Two would you be can a only couple. Be you can only be between two at a time. That's what so, I said. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we should talk about the retreat. Oh, we should talk God. about the retreat. Because, and, and for this reason, I think, to encourage people now that, you know, it is possible, well, at least for the moment, to get back out and plan things and do things with others. This little think tank event that we had, and, you know, of course, it involved a lot of other things like some healthy cycling and some... Uh, you know, healthy cook, cycling, cook, cooking of meals, the Batan and death march of cycling <laughs> <laughs> for you. I, I kept, barely hanging on. I Bill's kept cir wheel. circling you guys to check on you. <laughs> that right. is true. That's <laughs> an accurate statement. <laughs> Offer encouragement, water, <laughs> cliff blocks, answer mockery. questions. <laughs> yeah, good? Plenty of mockery. It's just a couple more miles. Just stick with me. It's See, flat. It's, is, from here on, it's this flat. This is the problem. It's the lying that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but all that, you know, all that fun aside, I mean, this is where we, we kind of came together and came up with the topics for this season. So it yeah. really was a productive time. But I'm just saying, like, I think for people who, if you, we've talked before about building your network, right? Mm -hmm. Find a way to get together and really share some ideas and make the thing work it was it was really great we practiced together right mm -hmm. we ate together we came up we had meet we had business meetings yeah it was fantastic daily business meetings. there was cramping there was <laughs> there was cramping right at the dinner table joey just Man. stands up head both down. legs <laughs> yeah and we so in support, of course, we just started taking pictures of it. Yes, you were very, very helpful in the laughing and well, taking pictures. I appreciate that. We wanted that. to capture the moment. Yeah, and I, 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 I thank you so much to for be capturing fair, that. To be, be fair, fair. To be fair. I also got you some electrolytes. <laughs> that is true. After right. you got a good pictures. Well, priorities. Right. But uh, no, I, I just think that... It, it was just worth it to talk about it because we actually, I know we joked around about it ahead of time, but we actually did do it. We did. And 
it, it is important if you want to if you want to build something, you have to put in that kind of work. And as much fun as we did have, we had to carve out that time right. to set aside to commit to this process. And and mm-hmm. there is no substitute for that kind of time and commitment. You can't you can't hope to be productive uh, by accident. Or just well, I guess that'll happen eventually. It's not how it works. You got to <laughs> actually, you know. And I don't think none of it was the most convenient for any of the three of us. You know, uh, Brian and I left our houses for a week, and then Bill and his family had to host us. Host us for a week. week. <laughs> all, all of which is a lot of work on on all three of our parts. It was great. Yeah, and it worth it, and absolutely worth it. Yeah, totally We're already making it. plans for retreat part two. Yes. So yeah, retreat twenty twenty two. Yes. Yeah. That's going right. to happen. Does Sarah know about this, Brian? She does know. But yeah, she's she's <laughs> okay. she's ready. I think oh she's going to be out she, of the country that she, week. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> See, she's planning. She thinks she's ready. That's a smart woman <laughs> yeah. right there. Are the chickens ready is the question. <laughs> oh, man, the chickens. <laughs> well, you guys will get great eggs for that week for sure. There we go. Outstanding. All right, boys, listen. I, I thought tonight it was time for a round of Tromba Trivia. No. (laughs) All right. I've got a series of questions tonight. They're all true or false questions. Okay. There's five questions and a bonus question. I don't like how this is starting. Why? (laughs) This is going to be easy for you guys. Joey, get your trumpet. I I felt bad last week. (laughs) Joey, get your trumpet. I felt bad last week because there was no way that you would know the answers, but you, you still did really well. So, but I thought, you know what? I'll take it easy on you this week. Here we go. I don't believe question, for a second. Question number one, true or false? True or false. Uh-oh. Trumpet playing was an event at the early Greek Olympics. False. Brian? <laughs> oh, man. True. It's true. <laughs> Come on. In fact, the event was won 10 consecutive times in a row by a huge hulking man named Herodoros. Who, who played the play cornet. Two- Play two trumpets at once and very loudly. No, it was not the Cornet Olympics. That's called brass in concert. (laughs) All right, Brian, 50 points. Joey, zero. Brian, Joey's looking it up. (laughs) Joey's looking it up. He's on the internet. (laughs) You are not allowed to be on the internet. (laughs) Question two. True or false? The look of Dizzy Gillespie's trumpet was not due to his unique embouchure, but rather the result of an accident. True. Yeah, you know that. True? Yeah. Yeah. Joey knows it, that. What year did that happen? <laughs> no, you saw all true false questions. <laughs> in 1953, <laughs> someone fell on his horn on the bandstand, and Dizzy finished the gig and thought it was cool, so he left it that way. Yeah, you can see it, you, there are early videos where he's playing a straight belt horn. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, yeah. cool. All right. Question wait, three. Wait, hold, hold, hold on. What? How many, how many points do I get for that one? I got that right. What's well, the second question? So you get 30. <laughs> this is crap. Wait, Brian said <laughs> it was true, track. Too, right? Yeah. Right, so 30 each. Wait, okay. hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, you both said it was true. Joey's keeping so track of the points. It's 80 to 30. Okay. No, I've Someone needs to. <laughs> Question three, true or false? The highest note ever performed on the trumpet is a quad C, five <laughs> octaves above written low C. <laughs> I'm going to need a, a, a definition of performed. <laughs> <laughs> Performed, played in public. In public? Does the internet count as public? Uh, I've got two names of people here who supposedly did it, based on my extensive internet research. Well, then we're going to have to go ahead and say true. Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) That's not important. What's important? Is it the highest note ever? Huh? Is that the highest note? Recorded note? Quad C, five octaves above low C. Jeez. This note has been performed in public by Michael Schmidt and Mark Van Cleef. <laughs> That's what the internet says. I'm just... I'm sorry. Do you mean... And I want to make sure I've got this right. Is Michael Schmidt... You mean the trumpet of the Lord Mike, Michael Schmidt? Is that the guy we're talking about? I, Seriously, I, I believe that's his website. Yeah, I have not seen that, but... Hold on a second. I'm going to I love that you. I love that you I know love this, that you Joey. know it. <laughs> well, the early days of people putting stuff up, I swear... <clears throat> That's the name. Oh, it's gone now. Oh. It's, it, oh, I swear that's the guy. Hold on. <laughs> he used to post some really unbelievable stuff on the trumpet. 
Oh, well. Doctor of Ministry High Note on Facebook. Oh, there you go. See? Trumpet of the oh. Lord. Trumpet of the Lord. You were right. I was right. Here it is. Hold on. It, is oh, they're it, recording the quad it's, C? It's trumpetofthelord.faithweb.com. And oh. here's the first thing it says on there. Doctor, doctor. Mm-hmm. Doctor, 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 professor. Do- uh, Doctor Michael E. Schmidt is the loudest trumpet player on the planet. <gasps> well, you go. He, well, when you're praising Brian, the Lord, you need to be the loudest trumpet. Yeah, Brian's offended by that. There's a lot of people that who have played with Brian who disagree. I'm just happy I remember the right guy. I'm That's amazed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mark Van Cleve, I've met. I know him. He's actually in, he went to IU. I mean, before I was teaching here, I think he's well, yeah. older than I am. So. All right. Well, I think this this is going to be great because next time we play Trumpet Trivia, if you miss a question, Joey, you're going to have to play a quad C. I can. I'll be very clear. I cannot play a quad C. Wow. <laughs> Did you play notes gonna, above double C? Uh, I I have played some notes above double C, sure. Because if you want to have a if you want to be able to perform a double C, that better not be the highest note you can play because then you're yeah. you're extreme. Right. I've heard him play a double C sharp. Here we go. <laughs> Go on ahead. purpose? No, no, no. That was it. It was just a little high, I thought. There it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Can Question bring that four. Down a little. <laughs> just bring that down a little bit. I'm the having a hard third time trumpet centering that on the third part. Um, <laughs> Question four, true or false? Instruments bearing resemblance to the trumpet were found in King Tut's tomb. Sure. True. Both yeah. say true? Yeah. It's true. There were some horns, apparently, some instrument-making tools, and a box 7C. It was all right there. King tried to bury it then in there. King Tut was a very religious man. He was a very religious man. (laughs) (laughs) Full circle. All right. Question five. True or false? In 1843, Adolf Sachs created the first trumpet factory in Paris. Hold on. What? In the 18... trumpet factory? Yes. In 1843, no. Adolf Sachs created the first trumpet factory in Paris. I'm not buying that. No. False. Okay. It's false because it was 1842. That oh actually God. happened. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly why we but said it, no. But it actually <laughs> happened. Yeah, because you guys are up on your, you know, We're saxophone maker trumpet history. Of course. All right. Score, Brian, 300, Joey, 82. Wow. <laughs> Even though we answered... All of these, but one exactly the same. I am killing well, you. <laughs> All right, here's the bonus question. Is this what worth 500 th- points? It depends on how you answer, because there's more than one right answer. But Uh-oh. I'm going to pick the rightest answer. Oh, I don't like that idea at all. <laughs> sounds All great. Right. <laughs> that, <laughs> for you. <laughs> that's, that's how Trumpa bingo trivia works. All right. What do the Haydn and Hummel Concerti have in common? Is, Is that, that a true false question? It's not a true false. It's a bonus question. How how detailed would you like this answer? Well, you know, whatever. There's one right answer. I mean, there's a lot of right answers, but there's one I'm going to like better than another. <laughs> Joey, I think I, you should go first. I think Brian wants to go first. <laughs> go ahead, Joey. I think you should go first. Uh, they're both trumpet concertos. They're both written by guys whose last name started with H. Uh, they're both three <laughs> movements. They both go uh, sl- uh, fast, slow, fast. <laughs> Brian? <laughs> they were both written for fighting her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's out. And you're out. <laughs> I would like to take this moment to retire from the podcast. <laughs> I told you I would get someone to say Anton Beininger. <laughs> that is brutal. <laughs> that is brutal. Brian saw that I know a Trump mile away. The Lord out of I have that that <laughs> no. you don't even know. And you've got it in the question, and you're just back on Anton Weidinger? <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's so good. <laughs> I'm mad I couldn't see it coming. <laughs> Brian, I saw his eyes get really big, and that's why I was like, oh, no, Joey, you should totally go first. Wow. Oh, oh that is so good. Brian's crying. I need to know oh if God, Anton Weidinger could play a quad C. This, <laughs> you might need to post this. This might be better than the uh, five double C's backboard bingo contest. Oh my god, I'm so mad at you guys. Anton Vidinger, <laughs> boom. He's going on the shirt. Yeah, with well, a talk. He's, Anton he's, he's our new uh, uh, yeah. mascot. With a talk bubble, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Anton Vidinger. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, boys. Time for a couple things. 
So this episode is part one in a two-part series titled Becoming the Player You Want to Be. Now, part one is titled A Recipe for Artistry. And part two, which is coming next week, is titled Why and How Over What. So essentially, we're trying to provide you with a path. Not our path, but maybe more like how to define your own path to becoming the player that you want to be. So two quick thoughts. Uh, I suppose you could say a couple things. Uh, like all our topics this season, this one came about on the retreat. Yep. Right? I think it's important to reflect back on that. And secondly, I do feel a sense of arrival with a two-part series on the podcast. I feel like that's like next level. Right? Totally. a two-part series. Yeah. I think we're, we're growing up. Yeah. How many people really are going to hear the coming, second part? Coming into no our own. After tonight. Yeah. I'll be like, no, skip, just skip a week. Skip part two. So, boys, here we go. A recipe for artistry. Becoming the player you want to be. Joe, you want to get us started? Absolutely. So... I, I think, let me start with, a, and I, don't, I, I don't like to start with a negative, so I'll start with a positive. There's no um, wrong player that you want to be. I think a lot of times as young students, you look to see what's out there and think, well, I have to do something that's already there. Right. And this might be the first mistake, because if you're planning on doing a lot of stuff that's already happened, sure, there are certainly paths that continue to exist. You want to be in the major symphony orchestra, or you want to be in a military band, or you want to go out on the road, or you want to be in a studio, or you want to be a, you know, a, a solo artist. Um, all of those things have existed and continue to exist, and that's not that's not wrong. But if you wanted to do something different than that, if you think what I want to be is blank, whatever blank is, but that but blank doesn't exist yet, that would be more reason to do it not to avoid doing it, right? So uh, when mm -hmm. we're looking at these sorts of things, I, I have students, I talk to students uh, all the time and say, what do you want? And they're like, well, I'm not really sure because I'm not really sure this is a thing. I'm like, right, well, you can make it a thing. Right. Right, if you think back to how Canadian Brass got started, right? <laughs> Here's a couple guys in the orchestra going, huh, what if we started this and kind of made it a thing? And, and not even like a kind of standard brass going to that, they kind of did things differently. Right. They've done really well for themselves. Well, uh, I was not a part of this at the ground at the ground floor, obviously, but look at the Trombamundi thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here we, we go. We got together and said, hey, what about doing a trumpet ensemble? And originally just to do kind of the lit and then like, well, we could have stuff written for us. and do, You know, it's a thing. Yeah. We've got four I, CDs out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I like this idea of, you know. Students often think, well, I need to follow this path. So what, what player do you want to be? Well, I want to be an orchestral player or I want to be a jazz player. I want to be this. And I think that what we've talked about a lot on the show is just being the best player that you can be. You know, everything we talk about is being in that position to be able to do all of it. That's an acceptable, viable goal. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that for just a second. This is, uh, mm, okay, I'll put it this way. When I was a senior in high school, I, ha I had the opportunity to get a trumpet lesson with a very, very, very well-known lead trumpet player who shall remain nameless because I'm about to say bad things about him. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and if I'm, I'm going to say great things, I'm going to tell you who that is because you should check him out because I'm a big fan of trumpet players. And I was so excited to get this opportunity to have this lesson. So the first thing this trumpet teacher, he kind of, he wasn't a trumpet teacher, trumpet player, he kind of put me through some paces, play some stuff, and I had some stuff ready to play, and then took me through some range, like, show me how high you can play, and, and did all these kind of things. And he's like, all right, so what are you doing next year? And I said to him, it was at the end of my senior year, and I said, well, I'm, I'm going to, to Juilliard. And he said, well, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I said to him, because I was still me at 17, I don't know, I heard it's a pretty good school. No. <laughs> and he said, man, if you want to have... If you want to have a career like mine and you want to be doing this kind of stuff, you know, big band lead trumpet playing, man, you'd be better off skipping college altogether and like, you know, studying with me and hanging out and doing these kind of things. Juilliard's not going to get you ready for that. Now, he was telling me at the time and was very clear at the time that I needed to make a choice. Do I mm. want to be a lead player or do I want to be, in mm. those days terms, a legit player? Right. And right. maybe, and maybe at the time, this was just purely my ego in a way, but my thinking at the time was this simple. Well, I'm doing all of those things at the high school level, like I'm principal in the youth orchestra and leading the jazz band and playing in the concert band and doing march band. Why can't I do that at the next level? So I go to college and 
I'm playing in the orchestras, I'm playing in the bands, I'm playing in the jazz bands, I'm playing chamber ensembles, I'm doing these kinds of things. And I'm doing that well at the college level. Why can't I do that at the professional level? <laughs> and there is no reason you can't do that. Just right. because one person doesn't conceive of it that way. And this isn't about being the you know m- jack of all trades, master of none. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing everything at a professional, at a high level. Mm-hmm. Right? So the idea of, well, you can't possibly do that because I didn't do it is terrible logic because if that's true then then everything gets worse with every generation which just isn't true right you know so uh, at 17 i kind (laughs) of left this lesson like wow that was terrible (laughs) (laughs) you gave me terrible advice i was so excited you know to to meet this player that i had heard play and was very excited to play for and walked out of that like wow that was not okay you know, but but then the idea is, well, what do I want to do? And for me personally, the idea, and we've talked about this before, for me, it was like, I want to play everything, which is, I've been able to do lots of those kinds of things. You know, I, mm-hmm. we, we play in trumpet ensembles, I get to go play, um, you know, big bands, I get to play with orchestras, I play chamber groups, and, you know, trumpet Monday, and we've, and we've done some faculty brass quintet things here, you know. I like doing all of that stuff, and so I like doing all of it. So, that there's a way to go and do that. Now, if someone else all they want to do is play like third trumpet in an orchestra, and that's the only thing they want to do. That's fine too. That's okay. So the idea of what do you want your career to look like doesn't there there are no rules for what that has to be. And I think that's step one is sort of saying, okay, so if I get to make up my own career, and in large part you do. You know, you get to set those guidelines, uh, mm-hmm. especially in music. And let's get this out because I know. Hopefully, with with band directors and trumpet players, and maybe parents of trumpet players listening, other than my own, um, <laughs> the right. idea of you know uh, there's always a worry about if you're going to go into music, it's not stable and there's no guarantees, and that may be true, but that's true of every career. But what I've seen over the the especially the last twenty years is the idea of making your own career. That what students can do now that we couldn't do when we were in college, and especially when Bill was in college before even electricity was invented. <laughs> before before college. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when they invented college and Bill was so excited <laughs> as he got to do something off the farm. <laughs> but the idea, uh, consider this. Like, uh, think back to when we were 18 years old and somebody says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to um, uh, make a recording, a high-quality recording, and distribute it to everyone in the world by 4 o'clock this afternoon. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we would have looked at it like it was crazy. I remember trying to uh, making uh, an audition cassette tape to go to a summer camp, yep. and it was the hardest thing I'd ever done, Yeah. you know, trying to do this on a tape deck with a mic I borrowed from my band director in, in the living room and being unhappy with how it all sounded, trying to make it sound good. Where now, put your phone on your stand and throw it up there, and that could be okay. Right. So the idea of what's even available and getting those things out there and, and getting people to hear them so much more accessible. So the idea that to not go into music for that reason has always been a terrible idea. But career, the music business and the careers available to you are changing all of the time. So the idea this gets back to step one, what do you want to be doing? What kind of artist do you want to be? That's step one. And there aren't any really wrong answers there. No. Right. Yeah, look, I, I love this this idea of just being prepared to do all of it. Let's say that someone is, their goal is to be a music educator. You're going to have to teach all of those things. You're going to need to have that experience anyway. So, you know, why not fancy yourself as a jazz player, orchestra player, wind ensemble player, soloist the entire time and practice, immerse yourself in all those things and be able to pivot and do them all, right? They need sure. to. Sure, yeah, that you need can. To. Yeah, as an educator, I think that's really important Uh um, I was talking to one of my doctoral students just this week about the idea of how many undergraduate education degrees don't prepare people to work with jazz bands and how many public school jobs <laughs> require you to direct jazz bands. Right. Yep. And sometimes as trumpet players, we're like, well, yeah, everybody plays in jazz band, right? No. <laughs> like if you, are a fl- if you are a flute player and music ed major, if you're a bassoon player and a music ed major, you can go all the way through college and never even get near a jazz band and then your first job is so you'll be taking the jazz band uh mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so that idea of being musically uh you know having a musical a wide palette of musical flavors to choose from is an important one 
Yeah, I, that's one thing I like about what we've done here with, with the two big bands. And I know some schools have more than that, but man, we, we have students who play bassoon who double on saxophone who play in the other band and sometimes end up making the first band, which is really cool to see that, you know. But, but because they understand the importance of doing those things, you know, and getting that experience. I think it's important for people thinking about crafting what kind of life they want to lead, what kind of career they want to have. Um, as a musician, it's really important to not just listen to what people are telling you. Because I think there is some terrible advice like <laughs> Joey had, right? Yeah. yeah. And and then and then even really great advice that is so narrow. I mean we've talked about um, classical players at the undergraduate level playing in the Arban book and not ever being required to play above high C. And certainly that was not a thing that my teachers talked about all the way through until graduate school and Mr. Darling was playing double C's. And I went, wait, a fourth trumpet player in the orchestra can play double C's. This is really the first time, you know, it occurred to me that that might be a possibility. And, uh, but there are just some people do it, right? Um, isn't Chuck Lazarus do a bunch of jazz? Oh, yeah. Trumpet yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, the commander. Um, the yeah, commander. Yeah, and, Chuck, um, but Chuck, but Chuck uh, actually called me a couple of years ago because he, obviously he's got he's got tremendous uh, facility and all over the horns. But after uh, I talked to him about the fives, which is part of the thing, mm -hmm. he's like, I started doing this. I've always been really solid up to high G. I got to tell you, I've got double C's now. And I'm like, <laughs> of course you do. He plays the trumpet great. But yeah, doesn't he, he play fourth in the orchestra? He plays fourth in the orchestra. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, and Bill Lucas in Detroit is also a jazz guy, right? Also a very good jazz player. That's right. correct. Yeah. So, but, but they don't talk so much in a wider circle about that, right? So, you know, there's a, a well, finite Chuck, number of... If Chuck goes out there and plays, and boy, if you hear him, you're going to go, yeah, yeah, that guy's... Doesn't Mark Inouye really play a lot play. of jazz? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, Mark Inouye's recorded jazz stuff as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. Mark, but I've heard the playing. That guy can play. That guy can well, really play the and, trumpet. And there's a thing, whether, whether your job is sitting principal in that orchestra or sitting fourth in that orchestra or whatever, or where your job is being a middle school band, band director, your job doesn't define your artistry. Or it doesn't exactly. define who you are as a musician. You can still branch out and do all those things. You know. Right. Yeah. And, but you want to decide what those things are. That's mm -hmm. step one. And it doesn't, it, it can be everything. It can be one thing. It can be seven things. I mean, it, that, there's, no, there's no rule here. Yeah. And knowing but, that those are possibilities just for a young player or parents or band directors, knowing that you're st those are possibilities for your students who want to have careers in music. That's that's really important. Yeah. And no one needs to feel stuck. Right. Yeah. Stuck, right. Like you like you can't do it no matter what you're doing. If you are out and you're in year 10 teaching and you haven't been playing, turn that around like it's not too late to do something about it. There's a, there's a guy in North Jersey, um, his name is Max Morden, a trumpet player, um, went to Eastern Michigan University, um, really great guy, excellent player. When I met him, I was doing my doctorate at Rutgers, um, and he had quintet, he did, um, he's an intermediate school band director, and, um, and he uh, coached the... I'm sorry, did you say intermediate school? Yeah, middle school, I guess. Yeah, I'm from the Midwest. Well, no, no, Sorry. I'm from the mid. I live in the Midwest. It's called middle school here. Yeah, I think it's called intermediate school out here, maybe. I think it might be in Britain. <laughs> maybe. No, they don't do that. Come uh, on, man. <laughs> and um, and he he like he played quintet. He does tons of church jobs. He plays first in the uh, Gramercy Brass Band in New York. He did a lot of Broadway work, um, and he, you know he had a full time gig teaching and then he was doing all this extra stuff so he you're, he was totally not defined by this thing that he was doing whatever 10 months out of the year um he was doing all this other stuff he got tons of recordings out um i've seen a bunch of videos now he's doing a lot of guitar playing as well but excellent trumpet cornet player piccolo chops to burn um and just you know constantly practicing plus doing his job so like there's you don't have to say no to anything. You don't have to close all of those doors. Right. But, and what you said there becomes really, really important because I think a lot of people might be thinking, especially in their own, well, sure, okay, so step one, what do I want? What artistry? What is my artistry? And they've made that decision. I want to be player X in my head, whatever that is. Then it's like, okay, well, then you got to start doing it because I, I was talking to a, I actually, uh, again, one of my doctoral students who's looking going to be looking for teaching jobs. It's one of the things he wants to go do. So what do you do? You start teaching wherever you are. Yeah. You know, like when, when I got off the road and kind of settled and I was at, uh, in Chicago first and then in Lafayette before I got my job here, I was teaching middle school band students and high school band students. And I wanted to be a teacher, so go teach. 
you know. <laughs> so if, if you want, if playing in a brass quintet, something you want to do, start a quintet. You know, if, if playing in a brass band, something you want to do, start a brass band. You know, it, it might take extra work, but it's not. If you're gonna wait for somebody to come and discover you, like <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit here in my practice room and I'm amazing. That phone should be ringing any day now, and then my somebody's <laughs> gonna come knock on my door and hand me my dream career. Generally speaking, that just doesn't happen. That's yeah, not what's the word? Thing. Nobody's coming. Nobody's <laughs> yeah. gonna come motivate you. Nobody's gonna come help you. It's all on you. It's yeah. all on you. But all you the gotta time. go. Yeah. Then you just gotta go do that. You gotta do that thing. If that's really what you want, then start creating it. Well, think about, too, like, you know, let's say you've put off going to get a master's degree. You're just going to start to go get a master's degree. Are you leaving school to do that? What do, you, what do you think about this? Higher ed may be sometimes limiting in the way that we think about this, right? We offer a degree in trumpet performance or we offer a degree in jazz studies or whatever that must be, and we're sort of channeling people to these things. But ultimately, you don't have to stick to that. You can create opportunities that's right, correct. for yourself. But even within those confines, I mean, I've certainly had students here. One of my first master's students here had done his undergrad in performance and really, really wanted to go be a lead player. So he talked to me and said, I want to I do a master's here. And he had done his undergrad with Ed Cord. And I, and I told him what I tell almost all students that have been here for four years. You need to go somewhere else. Like, you've been here for a while. He says, okay, but I've been with Ed and I've been doing the performance thing. And yeah, I've played lead in a couple of jazz bands. Basically, what I really want to do is do like a master's in lead trumpet. So I'll be a performance major, but I want to study with you and kind of do that thing. And I'm like, huh, interesting theory. I like the way <laughs> you think. You know, because if you look at my master's, you know, I was, uh, I did my master's in jazz studies at Miami. Yes, jazz but masters. I, but, I, but I was Gil Johnson's teaching assistant, right. so I was playing in the orchestra. You know, so I, it was the kind of those best of both worlds. You know, th those kind of things. So it, even you can, you can find the right fit for you and there are lots of great schools out there and lots of great trumpet teachers out there so if you're looking at school then you might want to look at finding a player that's someone like you want to be or produces people who that there remind you, you of where you want to be going sure. and thinking let's go talk to that teacher and see what they've got going there you know yeah. most trumpet teachers now are are really accessible and th it's also just better than when we were growing up because we were working on reputation and kind of well you couldn't really talk to them they're not real people they're in a, you know they're <laughs> teaching at a college how would we possibly know them yeah man now now it's out there right like you know all of it yeah right? you know what the students are doing you, you you can tune into live streams and check out the performances and know exactly what's happening somewhere. Uh, right and students just email i'm sure you guys get them as well I get emails saying hey i'm i'm looking at iu can i ask you some questions i'm going to come visit can i grab a lesson i mean yeah that's yeah. just yeah. smart i think the thing to factor into this too once you have this vision for what you what you want to do i wonder how many students have that vision and then think you know what it's just too hard to move it's too hard to move cross country uh, it's mm -hmm. too hard to move away from family and friends and those are the ones, if you're willing to do those things and, like, take on the personal part of it, boy, you can really advance yourself. You can yeah. really put yourself in a position to grow. You ha But that, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's step two. Get busy doing it. Right. Yeah. If you're waiting around, you know, step one, decide what you want to do. And step two, start doing it. You right. know, th no one, your, your dream career is not going to come knock on your door and hand itself to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's just not how it's just not how it works right you're gonna have to yeah. go you're gonna have to go get it and in some cases that means creating it yeah so right and that's extra work but boy i tell you what it's worth it you know i had i, I grew up and i've talked about this you know with uh, in a great program and very supportive parents who were, and when i said to them you know yeah i want to major in trumpet and they were like yeah okay right. <laughs> it wasn't like, they're like yeah go for it knock yourself out and it's worked <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it, but it's worth the extra work to then do what you want because, boy, there are way too many people uh, out there in jobs because, n let me make this very clear, not making a decision is making a decision. Right. So if right. you think, well, I mean, I don't really have to do anything yet. Well, that, that's true. But then that is a decision to not do anything to, to actually get the career you want. Right. So then you're deciding not to do that right now. And, hey, maybe that's what you want to do. But there are lots of people around the country that are in jobs they don't like because they just ended up there for a variety of different reasons. Is that, is that being passive-aggressive with yourself? It's being passive with yourself. <laughs> I'm not sure how aggressive it is. <laughs> it feels pretty aggressive. <laughs> but it's yeah. really passive to kind of say, oh, well, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? Then you just end up 
you know, treading water, and that's no good. And these are great conversations for students. So of course, we, a lot of we teach undergrads, you know, primarily. I think Joe, you teach more grad students than than Brian. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, but you know, this is a great conversation to have with your teacher to talk about where you want to go and to talk about the things you want to do and get their input on not only maybe ways to adapt and adjust your practicing, but you know where you might look next and who might be out there to help you, what the resources are. And what do you say to a student who, um, who has a teacher who says, well, I wouldn't do the performance route because the jobs are drying up, the market's drying up, there's just no work anymore. Like I, I hear, I've heard that for 30 years, uh, <laughs> right? I heard that when I was 18. Yeah, yeah right. You know, but I think I've maybe said this before, I'm sorry for repeating, I saw John Faddis in a master class my freshman year of college, and somebody asked him that question. Hey, we're hearing there's no gigs and there's no work. And he looked in very calmly and said, there's always room at the top. Well, there is that, yes. Yeah. It's crowded you know. in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> there's room at the top. It's really crowded at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but th that part of, but not only that, especially if you're being innovative with what you're doing, if you're doing something that hasn't happened before, Boy, there's a lot of room because it hasn't mm -hmm. existed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Yeah, I think, you know, those of us in the, you know, so I, I've talked about m my kids before and the things they do. The oldest wanted to be a music educator. I knew exactly what to tell them. Second one wants to be a pilot. I've got no idea. Like, I'm now I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing research. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I think for the, and I, I relate to this because my parents were not musicians and they didn't understand what all this was about, but... Boy, I think now about the advantage I have. So my youngest son is interested in going into music. And, you know, he, he caught me on a day to say, hey, we we're going to talk about college and stuff. And I basically just was like, it was the end of the day. I was kind of tired. And I outlined his entire career for him. You know, I was like, <laughs> you're going to look, do this. Mighty and then nice you're going to get a master's <laughs> degree in this. And then you, you're probably going to like that. And then you're going to audition here. And you're going to do that. And then you're going to do this. And then, and then that's the way it'll end up for you. And he goes, all right. Excellent. And then he just turned around and went to bed. Like, <laughs> you know, when I'm thinking like, <laughs> I, <laughs> wow, I, like I'm in a position to just drop this stuff on him because I can see the path, mm -hmm. right? Because we had the luxury of that connection and that accessibility. Sure. But not everybody has that, that insight. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, send us an email about it. You yeah. know, but talk yeah. to your teachers and talk to everyone about it. And if we don't know, we will just say we don't know and try and find people who do. Right. Like, that's how it works. And if you're if you're in a position to influence a young person who's trying to who's discovering what that what they love. I always said or my mother used to always say, uh, you don't choose music. Music, cho music chooses you. You can't imagine a life without it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's going to be a young person in your band who's going to come up to you and say, look, I want to do this thing. Be encouraging. Support that. Help them with that, um, because there's going to be enough negativity in the world to telling them not oh. to do it right oh yeah, yeah. this bring this gets me to this i'm glad you said that i have been lots of places where i've heard various people say versions of if you think you could find anything else to do aside from music then you should just go do that and forget this and i have right. actually recently started saying I'm going to stop you right now. That's terrible advice. <laughs> terrible advice. Right. Yeah. I think I could have been happy doing other things as well. I just like doing this better. Uh, right. A few years ago, uh, I took one of those. Uh, there was someone who was thinking about introducing one of those uh, tests that tell you what you're you're supposed to go do when you're grown up. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, those things, those assessment <laughs> yeah, yeah. tests. Yeah, right. And one that was talking about doing that for all of the undergrads coming into the Jacob School of Music. And I said, I don't want to do this at all. Those students have already it's made a, a decision yeah. that they want to come to music school. So why should we tell them uh, based on some test that they've essentially made a bad call? And she right. said, we'll take the test. And I said, great. And I took the test and I was very honest in every one of those answers. And I did it as carefully and took my time. She goes, okay, can we meet? And I'll, we'll talk over your results. So we met, and she <laughs> said, Joey, I don't know what to do with you. And I said, what do you mean? Well, I went over your test results, and there's no music on it, and there's no arts on it at all. I said, well, obviously I'm a giant failure and should not have done this. <laughs> exactly. And she said, well, how do you explain that? I said, that th those tests are stupid. Those tests are measuring what you may lean towards and might find success at. That's in no way what you may or may not be passionate about or what you may or may not want to actually go and do. And if somebody tells you, this is something I really, really want to go and do, why would you ever tell them, don't do that? Right. Yeah. Right? 
Now, that's yeah. not to say everybody's just going to go be a wild success. But if you're telling people not to do stuff, then you're you can people can try and fail and then learn from themselves and then they can learn where they may want to go that's also okay mm-hmm. if you go for something and and then it doesn't work for you and they decide to go do something else great that works right. just as, that's fine as well but to tell people we're just going to cut you off at the decision making process oh come <laughs> on yeah that's well, just it, ridiculous you know, it falls back to the whole philosophy of of education or the whole philosophy of higher ed in particular like why are you here i mean are, if you're just here to check a bunch of boxes to get a job that's one thing but if you're here to enrich your life in some way and prepare you to go on to the next stage well then that's different then and let's be know. very clear not to get too philosophical here because we're right. talking about artistry tonight but <laughs> going to college is not job preparation that's right. not its job it's never been its job right we are not trade schools mm-hmm. we higher education is about growth it's about education and growth. And can that lead you into a career and to jobs? Of course it can. Yeah, but it's course. not a one-to-one, and that's never been the intent. Right, but isn't, that, isn't this also one of the things that can kind of pull energy away from the artistic pursuit itself, right? Of course. If you're coming in here to go, check, 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 I'm doing this thing, well, then you're in a completely different mindset than someone that's coming in to gather as much information as they can and as much music as they can and make as much music as they can. It's a completely different mindset. Right, yeah. And the experience. So in moving toward artistry, I think that's an important that's an important step, right? In the whole thing is to understand, you know, to contextualize all of it, to understand why you're there and what you're doing. Um, and, and that's going to allow you to have a more, I think, authentic vision for where you want to go, what you want to do. Right. Yeah. And ultimately, and, and of course, we always come back to the trumpet because it's, you know, it's what we do. And but it, from and that perspective, great. you know, because it's the best. But, you know, but from that perspective, well, then think about that the way that that informs the way you practice and the choices you make and the opportunities you create for yourself. Well, right. Pieces. Right. This gets more into what we'll be talking in part two. But, you know, if you're saying I want to be a world class trumpet artist and you don't practice, then <laughs> those things are never going to match up. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, there's those are, as you say, make uh, make one big decision, which makes a lot of little decisions for you. You say that right. a lot, and it's very yeah. true. There if I say I want to be great at the trumpet, then that means I'm going to be practicing. And yeah. if you're saying I want to be an artist, if I if this is the artistry I am choosing, right, then that means there's a lot of work that goes with that, mm-hmm. Th- and that that growth mindset has got to be part of it. You know, I just played, this is perfect, I, I just played with Randy Brecker last weekend. Now, Randy Brecker's an IU alum, and they brought him back for the Bloomington Jazz Festival, and we put together a big band here in town to back him up. And Randy, at, at least as much, if not more, of almost, uh, you know, everybody I've seen in my lifetime, because Randy Brecker was, you know, the Brecker brothers were happening when I was in high school, right? So oh, he's yeah. been, you know, famous <laughs> you know, my entire adult life and longer. But... M- Every time I see him play, and I've, I've been lucky enough to see him play live a lot of times in a lot of different uh, venues and a lot of different situations, one, he plays the trumpet great, so that's easy, right? He plays the trumpet great, but he's always doing something different and new. Like, mm. here's a guy who has continued to grow and grow and grow as a musician, and I'm looking at that going like, yeah, boy, Randy, he sounds amazing, and now he's doing this, and now he's doing this, and now he's doing this. And here's somebody who could have easily rested on the Brecker Brothers for a career. <laughs> like, right. he could have like, hey, man, I was in the Brecker Brothers. You check that out? Yeah, that was amazing. That was really cool. Remember that time you were in the Brecker Brothers? Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> but has continued for the last 40 years plus on top of that to continue to grow as, as a trumpet player and as a musician. There's an artist right there. Yeah, It's amazing. That's you what you him, want. You ask him what he, like I was in a master class with him. He was at Rowan. And uh, students says so. So, what do you what do you practice every day, to uh, to to do the, to be able to do this? And he said, um, Schlossberg, Clark, <laughs> Stamp. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> that's what you do to play the trumpet, right? To play that, and that's that's part of it. And we're going to talk. We'll definitely talk details next week. But right. that that's got to be that's got to be part of that process. But the other part of that process is just as important. Of well, what do you want to be playing, mm-hmm. and then how do you get that? Right. And, you know, there again, we get into the broad the broad answers of, well, what is it you want to be? You know, there there are think about the idea of saying I would like to be a think about Chris Bode's, uh career path. 
there is one that did not exist before he did it, right? Right. So I'm going to come up and I'm going to I'm going to be a trumpet player on some on some rock albums and then I'm going to do my own solo career that's really <laughs> quite successful in popular music. Yeah. You know, and be like, "No, that's that's not really something trumpet players do." Yeah, that's never yeah. going to work for you. Yeah, he he did it. Worked pretty well for him. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. pretty good. He's pretty good. I yeah. think it worked out okay. <laughs> yeah. That kid's <laughs> going places. Some security there. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, this is great. So uh, if I'm recapping a little bit here, uh, just kind of cu- pull together the things that we talked about in this recipe for artistry. We're talking about having a vision for your musical and personal life, right? Yeah. N- know where you want to go. Uh, we're talking about having a growth mindset, so the willingness to change and adapt, right, to things out in front of you. And, yep. and then finally, maybe the work ethic to commit to practicing <laughs> every day and to doing the fundamental things to lead you there. Yeah, that sounds good. Do we miss anything? Yeah. That's a pretty good recipe, right? It's very good. Yeah. I like it. That'll that'll get us cooking, as it were. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. Time to eat. (laughs) When do we eat? Exactly. (laughs) Is it? All right, boys. Time for no offense. All right, look. Sometimes we address things, and, and then I think, you know, in my mind, they're magically going to be fixed. And then sometimes there are things I think that are worth repeating. Uh, and so this is it. If you, if you're, if I, wait, if you, <laughs> I'm so upset about this. If you're a high school band director and you still have trumpet players in your band playing on seven C's. Oh, my God. We're you're doing it wrong. Wow. I'm coming back. <laughs> they're right. Because. In my mind, I thought, we're talking about artistry tonight. What is the main thing on this planet that's in the way of trumpet artistry? <laughs> the Box 7C. It's the Box 7C. <laughs> yeah. It is. And I've been out, you know, able to get back out to some schools, and I hear some groups, and I come in, and I look at the sections, and I walk up. I don't even need to look, right? You don't need to look either. No, you, you know. You hear someone play a note, and you go, oh, no. no. And they're always amazed when you go, hey, you got a 7C there? And they turn it and look at it and go, yeah, how'd you know that? <laughs> I could recognize that from... A mile away. So I just want to say, here we are to help, right? We're here to help. It bears. It's it's worth repeating. It is. It really does. Come on, again guys, back again. me up. No, yeah. no. If, you're, it, 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 if you've got if you've got trumpet players that are interested in growth and they've stayed on a seven C with rare exception, you're doing it wrong. Right. Exactly. Repeat, Even King repeat, Tut repeat. tried to bury the seven C. <laughs> tried. <laughs> tried. Couldn't be done. No. <laughs> it is. Well, they did put a curse on the tomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it still just amazes me. I still run into it a lot. And oh, it's everywhere. Yeah. It is the one singular thing stopping the growth of trumpet artistry in this country. <laughs> I'm going to go that far. You could say it's the primary thing. There are lots of other things stopping it. <laughs> <laughs> but we can agree that it's primary. I'll agree. The the primary. I can agree with that. I'm yeah. going for it. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, listen, that about does it for today. We've come to the end of yet another episode. Thanks for joining us on The Open Bell. Stay tuned. Tell your friends, students, and anyone else you can think of. Our massive trumpet egos depend on it. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.